Well, we're grateful y'all are with us this morning. Y'all are with us here online. Uh, it's been amazing to see the growth that we've had uh, with our online views on Sunday mornings as well as uh, on Tuesday mornings. And and I'm glad you're here, men. We've been talking about the sovereignty of God, which sovereignty of God's kind of one of those those difficult things to understand. Last week, if you were bored, uh, I apologize because talking about the sovereignty of God doesn't get people real excited, but we should be excited because that tells us that God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, men. And when we have that fundamental belief system, then this is what we see. We begin to see through the spiritual and not just through the temporal. It's so important that we have that fundamental foundation. And look, we might be confused in who we are at times, but I want to assure you God is not confused in who he is. All right, amen. And so that's why we kind of laid that foundation last week. And where we're going today is going to really anchor into the sovereignty of God because through the sovereignty of God, that's who we find out who we are and how powerful really we can be in this thing we call life. See, the wrong beliefs oftentimes mess us up. In the last 25 years, I've been in a lot of charismatic circles, a lot of charismatic rings, a lot of people who believe the Bible, know the Word of God, and uh, uh, but so oftentimes I see them get in the octagon and they get whooped. Speaking tongues, they're praying, they're doing everything they can, you know, we've got interpreters, they, they do, all, and then something happens and they're like, I'm defeated. And here's what I think happens, men, is we fight the wrong battles. And when the real battle comes along, we're exhausted because we've been fighting all these little ones around us where the sovereignty of God's already taken place. And that's why we had to kind of lay the foundation last week to take us on, men, and what it means to grow up in Christ, to grow up in our faith. I'm not speaking in opposition to charismatic. Let me say this. I've also known dogmatics. I've also uh, known plenty of, of just, just fundamental Christians who, who are extremely biblical and know the word and yet sometimes just get knocked off of our feet because of life circumstances and situations. And this is, this kind of goes back to what we've been learning in James, men. Consider it all a joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, right? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Well, um, now let me talk to you real quickly. Various trials is different and even the terms, and I'll kind of break this up coming up uh, in the sermon series that we're in on Sunday morning, but various trials, those are trials. Those aren't necessarily tragedies, just so you know. Tragedies kind of are under another little category because some of you have endured major massive tragedies and you're going, I can't be joyful in this. You lose a, a child, it's a whole different story. That's not just a trial. That's a massive tragedy. So I'll, I'll talk to you guys more about this. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is, is, look, as we endure, as we go through those things, there ought to be a maturity. Remember, our goal is not to necessarily grow up. I mean, our goal is not to grow old. It's to grow up. Yeah, we want to grow up. All right. So let's get in here. So wrong beliefs really affects us, right? Too many people fight in the octagon. They never get out, much less go to their corner and regain strength. We constantly stay in fights, stay in fights, stay in fights. We never take that time to rest and regain our strength. Sometimes uh, uh, we as Christians, we, have fight, we fight opponents that have already been defeated, and this is where the sovereignty of God comes in. What Jesus has done, he's done. When Jesus was hanging on the cross and he said, is it finished? That's to tell us that it cannot be added to. You cannot take away from it. When he said those words, this is a done deal. Look. If I told you today that, um, what about the devil in your life? Has he been defeated? I hope. What about sin? Oh, that takes it to a whole nother level. 
Most, most of us are saying, well, maybe the devil's been defeated, but I don't know about sin in my life. We'll talk about that. All kinds of spiritual warfare out there, all kinds of people talking about death today and, and the fear of the coronavirus and all, all, all other battles that oftentimes we're fighting where Jesus wants us just to come to him and find rest. See, um, it's not out there most, where most of our battles lie. Most of our battles ultimately are in here. And sometimes if we don't have the right thoughts, the right theology, look, and even the understanding of the sovereignty of God, then we'll wind up fighting wrong battles. And when the real battles come along, man, we are exhausted to really fight them. Uh, Romans 6.23, or 3.23, most of you know this, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let's talk about sin for just a moment. All right, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, y'all have been down the Romans road, right? There's all kinds of little tracks. Somebody hands you a track from First Baptist Church, and it's the Roman road, and that's okay. That's all right. There's nothing wrong with, with that bringing uh, us to uh, uh, enlightenment on sin. But I want you to know something. Sin has been defeated. Now, why is it not defeated in me? Well, let's, let's just get in a mess, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That, that Greek word there is... Uh, hamartia, it actually means to miss the mark. And to miss the mark does not mean that I failed. I still shot the arrow, right? It doesn't mean that I failed God. It means I'm missing out on what the best that God has for me. And so anytime, but I want you to hear me. You got to be clear on this. When I sin, there is a separation that happens, right? Because to miss the mark simply means the arrow was headed towards the target, but then it veered off some way. And it veered off, so there is a gap that's made between what the possibility was or the possibility is and the absolute truth of what it is. The wages of sin will always be death. It, it has to be. If I said something, I, I, I wrote this in here, and I've never said this before. And I'm, I'm a little nervous to say it now. Listen, in life we all lose men. This body's going to die. Those out there, that's kind of morbid. That hurts me to even say it. Do you know why? Because ultimately God's, God never goes back on his word. And what did God say? As surely as you eat of this, and we still see the repercussions, we still see the separation of sin. Now let me offer you some hope in that, okay? And, and uh, 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 Because this is what I know about this. If Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are, all, we are of all people most to be pitied. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 19. Did you hear what Paul said? He just said the same thing I said, but in a different way, a more appropriate way. I just said it more harshly. He said, look, he said, look in this life is all we have is hope in Christ. We're of all most pitied, most to be pitied. As we put our faith in just this hope of man, if he was not resurrected, Paul, Paul will go on to explain this and say, no, 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 but our hope is in the resurrection. This is why we persevere, right? He said, I press onward for the goal. And that's where Paul is going with this. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, and the old has gone, behold, the new is here. 
You see, the sin nature truly is defeated in Christ because in Christ, Jesus never sinned. This is what's important about the sovereignty of God because what God did in His Son, men, what He did in His Son, this brings us to being seen through the lens, standing behind, standing within Jesus Christ. This is why we are a new creation. We are born again in Him. The problem most of us have is what I talked about Sunday. This past Sunday, I I put a chart up And hopefully you saw it, but in that chart I said too many of us still live under Adam, and the reason why is because Adam's more familiar. This is why we've got to grow up instead of just growing old, because we want our familiarity to be found in Christ This, as he's created in us a new creation. I'll give you an idea. See, Adam, he ate because of his sin of lack, right? I mean, you say, well, I didn't see him lacking anything. He was in the garden and everything. Boy, he was convinced that he lacked something. He was. You know, the scripture really, when I went back and read that a couple of weeks ago, the scripture really jumped out at me. The scripture says it this way, he took and ate. I wonder if he would have given to Eve instead of taken from her. You ever think of that? I, okay, my crazy thoughts. That doesn't make sense to you. It made sense to me. It says he took because his hands were, were closed. He believed he lacked something. And so oftentimes we take because we think, uh, man, I, I just lack something. See, his sin was lack. But in Jesus, we're told that we have the abundant life, the fulfilled life. His sin was complacency. And so oftentimes we can become complacent in our own walk until our legs get knocked out from under us because of life situations or life circumstances. But in Jesus, he gives us a purpose. There's always a kingdom purpose in front of us. In Adam, he caused separation from the Father due to sin. But in Jesus, we are restored back to the Heavenly Father through the sovereign works that he's done. Adam was selfish. He took and ate. Jesus tells us the greatest among you will be the servant of all, but he also says give, and it will be given to you, pressed down, good measure, shaken over, right? This is a great, great thing to learn because this tells us that, look, I don't have to be close-fisted. I can live my life open-handed. In Adam, his identity was lost, but in Jesus, his identity is restored. Our identity is restored. In Adam, this is where we get caught up, men, in in frustration. In Adam, we believe our issues, we have our rights, we have our grievances, we have our complaints. That's really selfish, right? But oftentimes, that's how we live. But in, in Jesus, the apostle Paul himself said it, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In other words, I have a purpose, I'm a born-again Christian. Now, when sin enters, it does separate. And this is why we have to go back to Christ and we have to ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. His word is, Jesus himself said it this way, men. He said, it is to your advantage that I go, for if I do not go, the helper, the paracletos, the Holy Spirit will not come. So he never leaves us where we're without power. He never leaves us through his sovereignty where we're without strength. We may choose to sin, all right? And I like to talk about the difference between having sin or, or participating in sin and being a sinner, right? Uh, Louis Giglio, I, I, I always think, said it best. And, and I heard this when I was in the Army, and I never forgot it. And I used to have Louis Giglio tapes. I, I don't even, half of y'all don't even know what a tape is in here. Okay, there were these things, and he sometimes had to tape them together because they would break. But Louis Giglio, he said, I can bark like a dog and I'm not a dog. I can wear a dress, but I'm not a woman and I can sin and I'm not a sinner. 
And I always, that, that struck me because I was like, oh, man, that's just, that's not, that's terrible theology, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, that's how we identify. That's how Satan would like for us to identify ourselves. But the truth is, I sin, but it's not who my new nature is. And so what is God doing through this process of sanctification? Sin becomes less the more you grow up in who you are in Christ. It's the truth, men. I'm old enough to say that now. It's not that I won't fall. It won't, it's not that I won't stumble, but I know that it's been defeated. And so if and when I have those thoughts or, or when I start to stray, I have the ability to say, Lord, that is not who I am. Help me to put on the new man. You see, because in Christ we're a new creation, and we need to represent that creation, not the creation of the most familiar man that we grew up with known as Adam. The other thing, uh, Romans 5.17, Apostle Paul said, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more do those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? In other words, we are called men to reign in this life. And if you don't know your identity, if you don't know who you are, if your identity is still more Adamic than it is in Christ, then we'll resemble more of Adam. And this is where God wants us to see the purpose of being born again, that second innocence, and living in that second innocence. Uh, when I look at this, I see natural birth. This is what it guaranteed me. When I was born naturally unto my mother, it, gave me, uh, it guaranteed me a sin nature. I know we like our little babies and we like to love them. And they're so precious and they're so, give them a couple of years, right? Natural birth guarantees a sin nature. Spiritual birth gives us a righteous nature. Got to hear this. Spiritual birth gives us a righteous nature. The born again, born from above, new creation person has a, has a new nature. Blind Bartimaeus, great example. Crying out to Jesus, a beggar on the street. Jesus turns, and uh, and as a matter of fact, the, the disciples are even saying, hey, hey, hush over there. What is this blind man doing? Why is he bugging us right now? And Jesus said, wait a second, bring him to me. And he said, what do you want me to do? Well, you, you, I want you to restore my sight. And he restores his sight, and the first thing blind Bartimaeus does, it says he took his cloak off and followed him because the cloak he was wearing was a beggar's cloak. He had to come into a new life, a new way of thinking. You see, he was going to be empowered. This is the cool thing about what Jesus does for each one of us, and we can't forget it, men, or else we'll resemble more of Adam than we will our God, Jesus Christ. Righteousness passes the life of God on to all who believe. Now, that's important because that tells us that, that death is defeated. Righteousness, listen to this statement, righteousness passes the life of God for eternity to all who would believe. That word life in Scripture, the Greek word zoe, uh, it means the quality of life that God himself possesses. So that's why Jesus said, be perfect as I am perfect. Have a goal. In other words, follow me as I lead you into deeper waters so that you know who you are. Righteousness is God's gift to us. Being righteous does not mean you don't sin. It means you have a righteous nature. Even when it happens, and that doesn't feel right, and it shouldn't when we sin, because it's in opposition to our new nature. Does that make sense? It's in opposition to who we are, men, in Christ Jesus. So now your nature and my nature is to live righteously for God. 
Now, what about death? I mentioned death a couple of things. Let me talk about death for just a minute. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If only, we, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all people who are to be most pitied. This is what the Apostle Paul saying. He doesn't end there. I just want you to know. He's saying, hey, look, guys, if you just put your faith in just one man and that man dies, then you too die. There had to be something about Jesus, and Jesus was resurrected. This is where we can get excited because here's the truth. All of us at some point in time are going to meet our maker. The last breath is going to happen. Let me tell you what's popular today, and I preach heavily, not necessarily against it, but I want to teach another way. Because what most of us want to believe is this thing and this term now that's known as escapism. Man, we're just going to be raptured out. We're just going to be pulled out of it. God would never bruise his church. He, he would never let these things happen. Go and study what happened to the apostles. Those who walked closest with Jesus, they weren't pulled out. They weren't snatched out. They weren't taken away. They were called to persevere. The very first one would lose his head following Jesus. That's exactly what happens. Name's James, right? And, and James would, 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 was walking with Jesus, following Jesus, and the religious killed him too. King Herod demanded his head. Look, we, we look to be snatched away. We look to be caught out. And I think too many of us are looking up instead of looking out. Because God has called us for this time for his purpose, men. And that's why the sovereignty has to be set. What he's done has to be set in us. And this is who we are, and it's who we're called to be. So think on those things with me. Paul goes on to say, death, where's your, where's your sting? Where's your victory? This is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55 through 58. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And that means here, men. That doesn't mean, okay, when I get to heaven, I'm going to work fully for God because he got his great place for me. He, he's gone and prepared a place. That's true. He, he does. It's not that that's not true, but he has us here for the now, men. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I love this. Anytime we're laboring, our work is not in vain. The other thing that happens, guys, when we don't labor anymore this is just the truth. You'll start to worry. <laughs> oh, my time's coming to an end, or God doesn't have a plan or a purpose for me, or oh my goodness, what if I die? But when our hands are heavy on the plow, we're not thinking of those things. You know why? Because normally we're either serving our boss or serving uh, whoever we serve out here in the world the best we can to help lead them into the likeness of who they're supposed to be, into this new creation in Christ Jesus. And finally, I talked about fighting sometimes the wrong battles and not having the energy men to fight the big battles. This is important that we get this. We spend so much time fighting the devil. The other night, I was, uh, I'd forgotten to turn the water off out at the farm. The old, old house out there, and there's a, there's a spigot back there behind the house, and uh, I, I had, in order to turn that on, you have to turn the well on, and I'd forgotten and left the well on, I'd turn the spigot off, which causes all kinds of flooding problems, all right? And I just happened to remember, and it's late at night, so I drive all the way back out there. I walk around behind this old house and everything, and there's the spigot, and I'm trying to decide, okay, yeah, I got to open that back up, go shut this off so we don't get too much pressure in the lines. I'm kind of processing things, and the light in the back of that house window came on. 
And I looked and I thought, what am I? Who's in there? <laughs> it's late and this old run down, broken shack. And so I'm not going to lie to you. I thought the devil was in there. So I'm like, no, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, whatever just did that needs to get on out. You know, I'm going to go over here and uh, turn this well off. So I go over there and turn the well off. I come back over and I'm, I'm looking and uh, watching. I'm like, man. And, and so I'm staring at that window. Then I thought, you know, there's going to be a shadow walk by that window. So I'm standing there waiting for it. And then I was trying to determine in my heart, what am I going to do? Am I just going to fall over? Am I going to run? Am I going? Do I need to go start the pickup and then walk in the house so I, at least I can run out and jump in the pickup and run? What? But it's interesting where my mind was. My mind immediately went to the devil. Immediately goes to Satan, right? Satan had to turn that light on. What if God turned it on just so I could see the fountain? <laughs> it's funny because our feelings and our emotions try to dictate how, even how we pray. And we got to pay attention to these things, men. Matthew 28, 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We forget this. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. He didn't say partial authority. And what happens is, is so oftentimes we forget that we walk in Christ and we walk empowered in these ways. And it's not a fight one way or the other. The devil himself has been defeated. And so we should see ourselves as the men of God, and we should walk this life out simply as that. Uh, Dr. James Richards, and he wrote a book called Satan Unmasked, but he's written a couple of others, and honestly, I like his books. Now, I will tell you, if you go and buy his books, he's not necessarily a theologian. He's a medical doctor, but he's a medical doctor who believes in Jesus, and he writes so practical that I actually understand it. Okay, but this is what he said. He said, possibly the most destructive of all Satan myths is the theory that Satan has some degree of authority on earth. Oh, listen to me. Authority is about rights. This theory presents a disempowering concept that says when we sin, we give Satan the right or the authority to attack us. Probably no other doctrine has plunged man into legalism and away from the faith in God than this. When Jesus came out of the grave, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This definitive statement leaves no room for question. He did not say some authority. He did not say all authority unless we sin. Our actions cannot violate the victory that Jesus won. And he's speaking about the sovereignty of God here. It's already done. He has all authority. Satan has no authority and there's nothing we can do to give him the right to attack us. Now, wait, stay with me because now you're saying, well, why do I feel attacked by Satan?" Let's just find out. We can, however, refuse to believe what we have in Jesus. The greatest thing that Satan still possesses is deception. And he can deceive us into believing something that we are something less than who we truly are in Christ. So he says, the reality is, nevertheless, that Satan has no authority over me or you or any lost person Ignorance, unbelief, and tradition become the means whereby we yield to his torment. Notice he said unbelief there, and all of that can stop today. Hebrews 2.14, since the, children, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. Right there it is in Scripture if you need it in Scripture. And that's Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Satan is not omnipresent. I've said this many times. He's not an equal adversary to God. He was a fallen angel. Satan lives through lies that are sown oftentimes in mankind and in our belief systems. 
Satan is not and never is going to be an equal to God. Satan's scheme is based in fear, lies, and most importantly, deception in trying to deceive God's children in being less than who they are. I get asked this question a lot, can a believer have a demon? My answer is this, yes, you can have whatever you like. All right, you want to be demonized? Then keep turning your heart and mind over to a demonic doctrine and you'll get there in time. All right, so how do we apply? Well, I'm glad you asked 20 minutes, 25 minutes into the message, and this is quick. I have one application point this morning for us men, just one, and this comes from Acts chapter 17, 10, and 11. This is, this is uh, Paul and Silas. They're going to Berea, and it's interesting what they find there. It says, when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. So they go into a Jewish synagogue here, and they say, now the Jews were no noble than those who were in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So they were good Bereans is what we like to say. They were men who were willing to study who Jesus truly is. So I would tell you today, read the scriptures. Make sure you read the scriptures. The same thing I'd say, be empowered by the Holy Spirit because you're not left here by yourself to live a life of defeat. Men, you are called to live a life of victory. That's what the world needs to see in us. And let me tell you something. People who are unteachable are usually unteachable because their minds are already set. And that's not where we're supposed to be. We all have to remain teachable. The seemingly most spiritual people I know sometimes have the most problems. Why? Because they're unteachable. So oftentimes we're not listening to the Holy Spirit, who's also known as a great teacher. So I would tell you, be a good Berean. Study and see that what God has for us men is true. That all of, a lot of these battles that we fight are just simply taking our energy for the real battles at hand. Jesus has won. The sovereignty of God has spoken. In the pogo strip, you'll, you'll have it on your questions this morning. Uh, Walt Kelly said this. He, he said, uh, he said, we've met the enemy, and the enemy is us. And the reason I put that on there is because sometimes it's just our belief system. So, men, we're going to build off this over the next two to three weeks. I asked Joshua if I could continue to teach for the next three weeks because we've got some stuff here to build off of. Amen, hallelujah, glory to God, happy Thanksgiving, men. I'm glad you're with us. And right here on your tables, there are some uh, questions. Feel free to go through those with one another. Thank you.